One is gambling a problem, but not problem gambling. A small percentage of the population is identified as having a problem gambling or gambling use disorder. A majority of people will be able to gamble without any problems or concerns. Because the percentage of those who have a problem with gambling is smaller, it often goes unnoticed and unrecognized in relation to resources, support, education, prevention, and treatment. Does that small percentage truly capture the only problems caused by gambling? Or are we missing an entirely different percentage that is in need of gambling support? Thank you listeners for tuning into the trailer for Talking Addiction and Recovery Podcast. I am your host, Andrew J. Schreier, and this podcast is a follow-up to the book I wrote called Addiction and Recovery. I am an independent clinical supervisor, clinical substance abuse counselor, and licensed professional counselor in the state of Wisconsin. In this profession, the opportunity to learn and become educated is never short, and the ongoing venture of gaining wisdom to help others is definitely a passion I possess. This is where I get to share that information with you and invite guests to share their experience and work. In this podcast, we discuss issues related to addiction, recovery, mental health, counseling, treatment, and several other areas. We discuss alcohol, drugs, gambling, gaming, pornography, and other behaviors that impacts the lives of people I work with, the individuals in their lives, and the community as well. Listen as we talk about these issues because when we don't talk about them and the silence grows, the worse it becomes. Talking about them continues to bring them into the light, which is our best way of addressing these issues and ultimately helping those who are impacted. You can find the podcast on social media with Instagram at Talking Addiction and Recovery and Facebook page with Talking Addiction and Recovery Podcast. You can send emails to ask questions, provide feedback, or inquire about being a guest at TalkingAddictionAndRecovery at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning into the podcast, and with every episode you listen to, I hope you walk away learning something. Coming fresh off Problem Gambling Awareness Month, and you know, you know, like hopefully by now if you've listened to the podcast before, and if not, maybe the first time that we keep talking about these issues related to addiction and recovery. We don't stop because a certain month is over. We don't stop because other people aren't talking about it anymore. We don't stop because we're not seeing it posted on social media as much. And we don't stop simply because people aren't paying attention to it. Those are the exact reasons why we need to continue talking about it. So here we are in early April, and we're going to keep the discussion about gambling going. But this episode is going to be, I think it's going to be great, because it's going to show the connections we see with gambling and other issues like substance use, mental health, suicide, and even a variety of other areas as well. Now, the title of this episode is called, When is Gambling a Problem But Not problem gambling a little bit of riddle me this riddle me that don't be afraid of talking about gambling so let's have a chat and we've we've talked about gambling quite often in this podcast and there's something we need to address when it comes to different buckets or populations of people in relation to gambling by the end of this episode let's hope we expand our awareness when it comes to these populations and gambling overall because of how often it is overlooked when it comes to research, funding, treatment, education, prevention, and all that. Let's let's talk about these buckets of populations in relation to gambling, shall we? So there are people who don't gamble at all. There are people who gamble and, and don't think it's actually gambling. What I enjoy having 
those types of conversations and education that some people think that what they're doing is not actually gambling. You know, even doing something like a 50-50 raffle ticket isn't considered gambling. So there are people who would identify that they don't gamble, but they actually do gamble. And then there are people who they gamble socially and recreationally. You know, they have limits. They do it once in a while and it's a it's a social recreational thing and it's not having any impact or problems or consequences in their life. And then there are people who have problems with gambling, which has been like the traditional term that's used. And now it's more with the diagnostic term of gambling use disorder. Now, the percentage of people who have problems with gambling or gambling use disorder is small. There, There is no fear-based approach here that I'm coming out here saying that gambling is is causing all of this for all these people and the the damage to everyone is not necessarily the case that the percentage of people who will have problem gambling or gambling use disorder is small it's about two to three percent of the population now one of the things we have to look at is that number is probably on the smaller side there's there's probably a larger amount and part of why we know that is because gambling is it's hidden it's under the radar it's not talked about as enough. It's seen as a cultural thing. And people don't often seek help for it either. So even if that number is larger, it's still a small percentage. And even though it's small, the impact on their lives and the impact on the lives of those who, who love them and the impact on others can be devastating. So we also don't want to minimize the impact of gambling has on a cer- on like certain people because it's small. We want to look at for those individuals, it can be devastating. So you want to look at overall how many people do you do you think gamble? And there was a, a 2016 study showed that 64% of Americans had gambled in the last year. So and there's a small percentage that was saying that they gambled online, which where we are today and where we're heading in the future, I imagine those numbers have changed already or in the process of changing with the expansion of gambling, sports betting in particular is booming and the continued advancements in technology. Gambling is becoming even more a part of culture than it already historically has been. But instead of just the casino type, we're seeing it grow into so many various areas Sports betting, online sports betting, online casinos, gambling in video games, gambling among esports, gambling type me- in uh, gambling type mechanisms that we see even in things like social media and even pornography, and gambling gaming type uh, applications like in your phone in your smartphone. Herein lies one of the major problems. When it comes to gambling, we look at the 2 to 3% we have concerns about, and we, we sort of leave it at that. We say, okay, it's a problem for some, but not for all, and really not even for a majority. So why put all this focus and attention or resources into a small population that it might not need all of it? 
even for that small percentage, there's still not enough. And because of that, the attention it sees is so minimal, like barely hanging on a thread at times. And legislation is a, a great example. I attended the Wisconsin Council on Problem Gambling's 23rd Annual Safe Y Conference, and I, I went to a breakout session about legislation and gambling. And according to the presenter, who did a, a fabulous job, acknowledged that morning before presenting, she checked to see the current legislation around gambling. 1,400 current legislations were open related to gambling. And the question was, how many do you think mentioned problem gambling or like gambling use disorder? And it was only 6%. So can you imagine if there was some other legislation around like alcohol, drugs, mental health, and only 6% address anything related to like resources, financial support, education, prevention, and treatment. The concern with 1,400 legislations and only 6% mention problems or concerns with gambling is there are so many people who do gambling. Even if they do not have problems or concerns, we know there are a lot more people gambling where information is needed and we won't receive it if resources aren't going to help obtain that. So one of the hopes with the expansion of gambling is it will bring more awareness, education, research, and potentially treatment alongside of it. So remember, 65% of Americans reported gambling last year. We know those who gamble don't just exist in the problem gambling or gambling use disorder bucket. But they might have other issues or problems they are dealing with. So really, what problems might gambling cause with those issues? And that is the answer to the riddle, when is gambling a problem but not problem gambling? Someone might gamble and it can impact other areas in their life. It can show up in other areas of their lives and not necessarily by be diagnosed as like a gambling problem. You know, what about people who gamble? It might have an impact on their substance use, their mental health, or even suicide. You know, why wouldn't they fall under problem gambling or gambling use disorder? Just because they have one diagnosis or concern doesn't mean they automatically have it with another. But there definitely are components of gambling that can impact those issues. So I want to look at five connections with gambling and other populations just to highlight where gambling might be a problem, but doesn't mean that there is a diagnosed gambling use disorder. So for two questions to explore when it comes to these populations, I'm going to look at what are what are some of the numbers and what are we seeing in connection with gambling. So the number one population is substance use. Okay, that's one that definitely there is a strong connection with that. I recently did a presentation on gambling and substance use connecting particular substances and how that sort of relates to one another. When we look at gambling and substance use, 
the most abused substances include alcohol, tobacco, marijuana, and stimulants. People with substance use disorders are at an increased risk of gambling addiction. Likewise, people who are addicted to substances are already predisposed to thrill-seeking behaviors. Both substance use and addiction to gambling have the potential to make symptoms for one another worsen. Substance users experience gambling problems at much higher rates than the general population. Now, when I presented on this, I looked at what we see sometimes with substance use and gambling, and cocaine is the one that I want to talk about here. I do, I think, a pretty good job of asking about gambling, but I make sure not just to ask about gambling once and move on. I actually try to make sure I don't just dive into a little bit deeper and just kind of put it aside like it's no big deal. Whenever I work with someone who's using stimulants, I make sure that gambling is on my radar. I cannot tell you how many times I've seen individuals who are seeking treatment or recovering from cocaine use also have some history of gambling. And it doesn't mean gambling is a problem or an issue, but it's it's there. I worked with actually a family of triplets who were seeking help for opioid use and cocaine and all of them have gambling and gambling was a huge part of their their family history and gambling kind of impacted some of them differently it wasn't always the same i worked with another person who gambled and when they or used cocaine when they stopped cocaine use gambling was like the next thing that gave them any kind of thrill that cocaine used to give. So that's like someone who they give it up and they're wanting to experience that like adrenaline rush and other things aren't doing it. Like telling someone to go bowling or to go do, um, go draw something, go color, go for a walk. It's not going to provide that rush, but we know gambling can cause a pretty significant adrenaline rush. So I've seen some people who give up cocaine pick up gambling. Now, gambling doesn't necessarily become a big problem. We're not seeing the financial impact of it. We're not seeing the other diagnostic criteria related to gambling. But what I've seen is that can put them back into the missing the feeling of cocaine or being in an environment in which they may have used cocaine before. So when we look at substance use, there's, when you look at the the alcohol, tobacco, marijuana, stimulants, imagine working with any of those populations, a question that you might want to consider is, what's the likelihood that some of them might also gamble? And there are high correlations with alcohol use and gambling, stimulants and gambling, all those sorts of things. And that's where you want to look at not just do they have a gambling use disorder, but what impact might gambling have on their substance use or their treatment for substance use or their recovery from substance use. The second area to look at is is mental health. So when it comes to mental health, 
There is a high co-occurrence often found between gambling and depression, mood disorders, anxiety disorders, and even personality disorders. Treatment-seeking pathological gamblers, another um, older diagnostic term used, have high rates of personality disorders. So if I'm working with someone who's got a personality disorder, I'm definitely going to make sure that gambling is on my radar. Am I paying attention to things that they talk about, about what they do, some of their other activities, what they spend money on, and seeing if there is any connection with gambling? 20% of gamblers who seek treatment met criteria for attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. So part of it is to look at how gambling might impact mental health. So when you consider like depression, mood disorders, anxiety, can you imagine sometimes what the gambling ups and downs might cause? Uh, Maybe losing money on it might have some impact on, on anxiety or mood. Now, some people who might have some anxiety might not want to gamble because it causes that, but there could be that connection that if someone has mental health issues and they they choose to gamble could gambling have an impact on it and that really leads into the third one which is suicide and boy i think that is a, a an unfortunate incredibly underrecognized area with gambling because gambling like Problem gambling, gambling use disorder can directly trigger or worsen symptoms of depression, anxiety, obsessions, and and like with mental health, it does create escalating symptoms of hopelessness, guilt, shame, and desperation. 17 to 24% of pathological gamblers will attempt suicide during their lives. Close to 80% of gamblers calling a helpline reported feeling suicidal at the time. And I think it's pretty um, unfortunate that when you attend trainings about suicide, when you talk about suicide risk, when you talk about safety planning and all these things, where is the question about like gambling? Where is it about does the person gambling, do they have any problem with gambling? If there is such a high risk with problem gambling and gambling use disorder with suicide, I'm just sort of appalled that with all the training that we have on it, why isn't gambling talked about more? Why isn't it asked for certain things? Then to tie into, okay, so imagine someone's got substance use, someone's got mental health, uh, maybe suicide is in there somewhere. Like maybe we should check and see if maybe there's something there about gambling or maybe their engagement in it or participation in it. But Not to say they have a gambling use disorder, but just do they gamble? Could this impact safety? Could this impact how their their mood is or how their symptoms are? I imagine that it definitely does. What about with youth? What are we seeing with with youth and gambling? Um, Some numbers out of youth are, you know, a little concerning with their their numbers, you know, six to 20% of 
problem gambling behavior exists in adolescents ages 12 to 19. Adolescents are two to four times more likely than adults to have this problem. 85% of teens reported gambling in the past year. Also, look at what we're seeing with the combination of video gaming and gambling and technology and social media. Now, is this saying that all youth are have um, problem gambling or gambling use disorder? Absolutely not. But if we're seeing that many teens gamble, are we denying that there might be some problems that could be impacting their academics, that could be impacting their mental health, but it's showing to us in different ways. So when you work with youth and the amount of youth who gamble, you are going to probably have some who don't meet criteria, but gambling might be having an impact on their lives. Another area just to kind of take a little grasp at would be a workplace. Something simple as the workplace. You know, here we are, uh, April, the March Madness is still going on, even though it's, it's April. And we want to look at something like even problems like that, where this is some interesting information. Unproductive workers during March Madness amounted to an estimated $6.3 billion in corporate losses uh, in 2018. A separate survey found that March Madness ranked third among tech-related office distractions directly behind texting and Facebook. And there's a lot more workplace gambling than just like March Madness. I mean, let's let's be real. There's there's quite a few other different things. You know, there is uh, scratch-offs, you know, lottery groupings, Super Bowl uh, sporting squares type thing there's casino night themes that occur there's there's fantasy sports that that might happen with different leagues um, around the office so do i think everyone who gambles at work has a problem or it's a gambling use disorder absolutely not once again there's going to be some population that will there's going to be some population that can do it it's not going to have any significant problem but could there be some things that can happen that gambling might cause some problems with. So right there, I think there's, and when you look at gambling in the workplace, you see things like um, some people feel like discriminated against if because they don't participate or engage in this, or there is uh, productivity that's been lost or people who feel like they're not, Engaging it still have to work just as hard when other people might be spending time picking teams or watching games, checking scores, all that type of stuff. So it's not to say that we got to come in here and stop all this this gambling necessarily because everyone's going to have like this big problem or they're going to be diagnosed with a gambling use disorder. But gambling in the workplace might cause some problems, might cause some problems with, with coworkers or might cause some problems with the organization. That is why we want to take a look at how gambling can be a problem, but not necessarily the concern about this person needs treatment. No, they just might need some education. They might need some resources. They might need to be able to just talk about, if you're going to do this, how might this impact 
people. And when it doesn't get identified and talked about, all that information is then hard to come by because then that limits what people can do to gather information, you know, get data, do research studies, focus on prevention efforts, education efforts, awareness. That makes it more challenging to be able to to do that. So based on on these areas, so just think about it, substance use, mental health, suicide, youth, workplace, there is a likelihood you might be working with someone who not only is experiencing these issues, but they might be having a problem with gambling, or they could be diagnosed with gambling use disorder. But if we look at the statistics and say it's it's probably unlikely, you might not specifically be working with someone with a gambling problem or gambling use disorder. Now here's the kicker to this entire episode in Riddle. You are likely going to work with someone who has substance use disorders with mental health, suicide, could be youth population, could be workplace populations who gamble. The question is, how might their involvement in gambling, even if it's recreational or social, impact those issues? How might their involvement in gambling, especially if it's problem or gambling use disorder, impact those issues? And there are more than just the ones we briefly talked about. I mean, think about gambling in the military, gambling and incarceration settings like jails and prisons, gambling among college students. So, so what do we do in regards to gambling among these populations where there could be some problems, but we're not talking about them being diagnosed with a gambling problem? Number one is stop the silos. Too often in our profession, and even outside our profession, but just how it's viewed, is that these issues become siloed. They they have this, but not this. They have a problem with this, but they don't with this. Creating silos opens opportunities for problems to go unnoticed and remain hidden. It's one of the best parts about being able to do work with different populations. So like I'm able to work with substance use, mental health and gambling because I can not only explore each of these issues individually, but also look at the connections that they have. When it's siloed, it's easy to say, well, they have a substance use disorder, but they don't have a gambling use disorder. But when that happens, we might miss out on the fact that gambling might be having an impact on substance use. We need to realize that the entire whole person approach means the entire interaction of what's going on in their lives and not just separating them with whether it's a diagnosis or not. Now, the second thing we can do is education. If you work with these populations, or even if you are someone who does use substances or have mental health issues, consider the role of gambling, if any, does it have in your life? What do you know about gambling? What are we seeing with gambling in relation to these other issues? What sort of impact does gambling have? I mean, we explored it in this episode, but this was like a a scratch of the surface type exploration. We need to keep educating people on these connections. When I did that presentation on connection with substance use, I went through 
case studies, examples of people using particular substances, everything from alcohol to marijuana to cocaine and even opiates, and discuss some of the connection with gambling. Then even how to bring awareness to that, explore that, and what additional steps might someone need to take. Now the third one is social for many, problems for some, awareness for all. We should have awareness about gambling for everyone. It should not only be for someone who now has a problem or who is now devastated by it. It doesn't take moving mountains in order to make that happen. We do that for other things, right? We've got warning labels on alcohol. We have crisis hotlines, even phones for mental health and suicide, etc. If we bring awareness to gambling resources, hotlines, and education, it's not going to cause any harm. If someone goes online to gamble and they socially gamble, seeing a hotline isn't going to cause them to be become problem gamblers. But to someone who might be experiencing a problem or they do have potentially a, a gambling use disorder, it shows there is support and help if you need it. It also shows that gambling has implications. It has ripples. And it's not just an entirely safe activity without any potential harm. So one of the things we need to do is work on building that awareness to assist in that harm reduction. Even before someone gambles for the first time, having education, awareness, knowledge, support, and resources could actually help someone before they get to that point where they're now in in desperation and dire circumstances. And with gambling, that can be quite catastrophic. The, The number of people who have a gambling problem or gambling use disorder is is small. However, the number of people who gamble is quite significant. With the growth and expansion we are seeing, we can imagine those numbers are going to climb. We might see numbers of people with problem gambling and gambling use disorder grow as well. But even if we don't, we can't ignore that gambling itself can impact a lot of other issues we are dealing with right now. We can see there is some connection and impact with everything, ranging from substance use, mental health, suicide, youth, and even like the workplace, but we're talking military, incarceration settings, college-age students, and that's not even the entire picture of it. So instead of minimizing the impact of gambling in relation to the, the use disorder diagnosis, We need to have available resources, education, prevention, and support for as many ripples as possible that gambling can have. So three of the ways that we can really start doing it is by stopping the silos, building that that education on gambling's impact in these areas that we know we're spending time and resources addressing and also the the awareness for all, not just a certain population of those impacted by gambling. If you are someone who fits these populations, if you work with individuals who do take one of those additional steps and work towards building that better awareness that gambling might be a problem for someone 
who's dealing with these other issues. And I guarantee you if it is, it's impacting it in a way that's probably not best for them. It's probably not making any of those areas any better. So even if we aren't going to treat a gambling problem, we can help better address some of the other issues that are going on that might be impacted by their decision to engage in gambling. Thanks for listening. Hope you learned something.